Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role-playing games. And today we're talking about unconventional characters and playing against type. And we are honored to be joined by Jasper William Cartwright, game master, producer, creative consultant, and co-host and producer of the podcast Three Black Halflings. Hi, Jasper. Hey, what's <laughs> happening? Uh, that makes me sound so fancy. I appreciate uh, that intro. Hey, those much. are all true things. Own it. <laughs> it's, Own it. Well, it's it's very cool to be here. I was just saying off off and uh been checking out some of your guys' stuff and it's it's awesome. So yeah, this is this is this is great. And I'm excited by the topic today as well, because it's something that talk a lot about in Through Like Halflings and uh also just, you know, a personal bugbear of mine, uh, if you'll excuse the potential future pun. You'll get it in a bit. Don't worry. You, okay. You'll get there. Right. Excellent, excellent. Also, hey Brian. Uh, hey, Will. How are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for asking. Um, it's it's great to have you on here um, as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, oh, go I'm excited to talk about our, our unconventional builds today. I've got, I'm going to go last, but I'm I'm happy with mine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm also excited to talk about my character and to hear about your guys' characters. But before we get into the character, uh, characters that we've made, um, I kind of just wanted to talk about archetypes, cliches, breaking the norm and whatnot and in dungeons and dragons um especially if you've been playing the game long enough but even if you've never played the game in your life there are certain archetypes of cliches you are just fundamentally most likely familiar with the elven ranger the human wizard the halfling thief the 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 fighter with the with the magic sword and shield like these are these are very cliche we've seen it a thousand times over um and i'm curious to hear what you guys think about these cliches as they stand by themselves. Uh, why do you think they're so pervasive? Is that a good or a bad thing? 
Hmm. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I think for me, uh, it, it's all about like where we've come from, right? It's like mm -hmm. the the kind of fundamentals of fantasy within our kind of like culture is this kind of like Lord of the Rings. It's, you know, early Dungeons and Dragons. There's, you know, other kind of touchstone sort of fantasy uh, stuff. But like I'd say that, you know, Lord of the Rings, if we use that as the example, it's mm -hmm. kind of like we kind of hit all of those those tropes, right? We've got Aragorn as your sort of sort of you know i think you could make an argument that maybe there's a bit of paladin in there but effectively you know the fighter kind of very stoic cool you know you've yeah. got your elven ranger in legolas you know you've got your kind of stout hardy you know dwarf barbarian or whatever it's like so i just think that uh you know it's it's all about where you come from and i think effectively it's like you know when we first get into playing Dungeons and dragons i'm sure you guys did it too right it's like we all grew up dreaming of being like one of legolas gimli you know oh yeah, whatever. Oh, yeah. oh yeah and yeah, so definitely. as soon as you get into Dungeons and dragons you're like okay sick i want to be that guy you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, you make that character so. and i think that's where like that initial kind of wave of, of stereotype comes from and mm -hmm. one of the things that i think is interesting about stereotype is that i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing in in all contexts in the sense that like i think it can be useful right it's like if yeah. you've never met dungeons and dragons before and you want to get into playing it you can just say to a player hey be Legolas, you know what I mean? And then right. you give them a, a, a ranger sort of stat sheet and it kind of makes sense. It's like, oh, I've got a bow and arrow. I'm like, I can flip around the battlefield and avoid stuff and, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty good at tracking things. Dope. You kind of understand like, you know, and so therefore it's kind of useful. And then I think yeah. for me, where what's exciting about the prospect of like going against those things is like it just enriches the game makes it more flavorful you know what i mean it, it kind of mm. increases the kind of the 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 fun mental palace that we all get to go to and play the game because it's like oh sick we get to like flip some of these things on the head like it just feels now right. as an experienced player that is feels just way more interesting than right. like just doing you know like all those like ones that you just said uh right is yeah. like so it's not even necessarily for me from like a you know, from any kind of like great sort of diversity or inclusive point of view, even though I do think that stuff, it does help that stuff. I think it so, just yeah. on a fundamental level, it just makes the game more interesting. You know, no, I agree completely. Um, basically, everything you said, I completely agree with. It, it it does serve a very useful purpose as a as a strong touchstone for people unfamiliar. Um, mm. Also, I think there there's something to be said about uh, it's okay to just want to play something comfortable every once in a while. Like, yeah. I'm very familiar with Legolas. I, I really love the archetype, you know? I'm just going to roll that tonight. That sounds like fun. I'm not even going to think about it too hard, you know? Yeah, I think that's useful as well. I think um, it's it, it can be a fine line between playing what's comfortable and being lazy. And then it's also a fine line between it being a useful touchstone and it just being a boring... Here's another Dritz clone kind of kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. that comes up. I I had fun in my first game emulating Legolas through my filter. Like I yeah. I knew I'm not gonna nail it perfect, so I'm just gonna try to emulate some of that and figure out where I land. And then the character slowly became my own, and those those things mm -hmm. that like I like from Legolas I kept, and the, the other ones I I've I got rid of. There is a a pit hole here that I want to address where you are imagining this hero. Um, mm. But Dungeons and Dragons, if you're starting from level one, you are not a hero. Oh, you're oh, not. Yeah. You're really not. Yeah. <laughs> like you suck. So, <laughs> you, do, you do in fact suck. Exactly. So people are bringing this, uh, this conceptualized hero to the table with this backstory that says, I have done this, 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 and this. Mm. But that 
might not lend to the story in a way that makes sense when you're talking about leveling from level one. Yeah, I was I was running a a, a one shot with level one characters yesterday, in fact, and the, the wizard, he was just really feeling the fact that he was not the powerful wizard he thought he was. Oh, doing. it's tough, right? You've yeah. got like six hit points or something yeah, at that yeah. point. It's just like one hit yeah, from he was, anything. He, he was you know knocked I mean? unconscious twice that session. Yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah of course. Yeah. I remember the 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 one when I first played D&D &D, uh, I played I basically like copied a character from my favorite book mm -hmm. uh which is the lies of Locke Lamora and it, Ooh, what was so helpful book. is that that character for anyone who's familiar uh that Locke Lamora is kind of like he's almost got like a bit of luck or something on his side like he he's mm -hmm. he's not particularly strong he's like very clever but like he often gets things wrong or he kind of you know has a couple of like gaffes or do you know what i mean like they constantly make a joke that he's not the most dexterous and he's not the strongest and, and actually like that felt very like useful for me kind of like what you were saying earlier was just like it like brian it was like the the having a character that's not yet the hero you know hasn't yet achieved the great heights was like oh okay now i can actually feel my way and i think one of the first things i did was i tried to attack a swarm of bats by swinging out of a tree i rolled a nat one and i ended up the rope ended up tying around my foot and i ended up basically swinging upside down for the whole battle and that was like ah. the first combat <laughs> i ever had in D D. and like That's amazing i doubled down and tried to attack the bats whilst swinging backwards and forwards instead of trying to help myself and i was like yeah okay this 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 tracks this is absolutely you know uh what it would be like if you were you know a fledgling adventurer who you know effectively has like soldier level training you know you can like swing right. a sword you can use a shield you can make pick a lock you know like that's the extent of your abilities up to this point kind of tracks that you'd you'd probably eat eat shit every once in a while yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. it does definitely. and you should yeah. Sure. yeah, you should. Right. Exactly. You absolutely get humbled and eat shit occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Overcome that adversity with time and leveling. And, yes. <laughs> and more to both of your guys' point here, um, especially yours, Brian, is you start with the touchstone. You start with this archetype and through the nature of the luck of the die mm -hmm. and kind of finding your way through the role play, you do start to leave behind, you know, the bits of the archetype that are, you know, cliche and don't fit what your character is actually becoming and by the time you're done you know five six levels deep into that character you have moved away from the archetype whether you kind of meant to or not that kind of happens yeah. naturally yeah Absolutely. adversity is a great way to experience character growth so it's good level one is designed i think for with that in mind yeah yeah, uh, yeah before level one is designed to hurt for sure yeah. oh yeah definitely level two also a little bit <laughs> yeah. yeah um bef before we go move on to like common ways or are or, or different ways of breaking the norm. I'm just curious, is there a particular archetype or cliche that regardless of how saccharine or cliche it is, you have a deep-seated like attachment to or love for? Or are you just like, nah, fuck all the stereotypes. I'm going my own way. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I've got one that I've realized I've played it quite consistently. I really, really, really love playing the arrogant asshole paladin. Like, it's so much fun. But you oh, have yeah. to play it with the wink, like a wink and a smile to the players. You, do. you know what I mean? You have to, yeah. like, not play it so straight that, like, you as a you... player are like, no, no, sorry, that's just what my character would do. Because then you no, start no. to become, like, the asshole at the table. Right. But, like, exactly. there is something about being just sort of like, nope i have this because my lord believes in me you know i just yeah. <laughs> there's something really enjoyable about that and then just immediately whiffing or getting you know yeah. catapulted off the side of a mountain or whatever like i quite enjoy playing those characters because i feel like 
sick. I have no real attachment to this guy. If he dies, it will be kind of funny. It's all good, <laughs> you know? Uh, it's like a nice low-stakes stereotype for me to play. So, yeah, Absolutely. effectively... Um, <laughs> What's his name from the D and D movie? Is like my one of my favorite. Uh, oh, a uh, Zank. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Dude, like he's my fucking, like favorite. Like I love his I, character If I had to pick so a stereotype to play, <laughs> I think yeah. I do enjoy doing that one. I've played that one quite a few times. I enjoy yeah. that one as well, and I, I agree. You have to you have to be ready to be the butt of the joke to make that work for the whole. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You cannot yeah. take that too seriously because yeah. otherwise, everyone just be like, "Oh God, please stop." Yeah, oh, this guy again. Boring. Yeah, it's, it's really. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's really insufferable. <laughs> you have to be. You have to realize that your character is the is the idiot in the room. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's great. What about you, Brian? Do you have a particular archetype you're attached to? Oh yeah, it's the it's the barbarian dwarf like that that thing is so mm. much fun to you know come in and rage and smack and drink and do all that stuff it just doesn't get old for me when a player is doing it at the table it's it's just a a fun little piece that i feel like always exists in every tavern you go to whether there are players doing it or not or if i'm playing it or not it's a good fun thing in my opinion to just it's, have around. I, I, i'll be honest as well as a like when i see a white dude with a strong beard come in with the drunk dwarf barbarian i'm like sick yes. let's go <laughs> like i enjoy again. it Fuck when yeah. you guys do that you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> he knows what he's doing he's here he knows what is going on yeah yeah yeah. he That's knows hilarious. what he came to do he understood the assignment and he's doing it let's go That's yeah so funny, huh? so i don't i don't mind that or like um we have our buddy josh freeland that's a, a regular in our games that yeah. does like kind of a similar thing all the time he's a big strong guy with a beard every single time yeah he's doing a, he's sure. doing that a little bit but he's always he's always got like a kind of a straight edge vibe about him yeah like he, very, does. he does he does yeah. a very holy you know like uh thou must kind of attitude when he plays yeah, that yeah, yeah. i've just come to enjoy it when he's at the table i i kind of know what he's gonna do he's playing this character now but he's gonna play this character later and they've got this bubble in the middle that's very much in common with each other a lot of crossing paladin basically is the is the vibe that he's yeah. going for a cleric i've seen him roll a cleric or i've seen him roll a barbarian with like a very um like straight set of ideals <laughs> you know it's all it's all right there in line that's but yeah, for me, it's the it's that it's that barbarian. Like I I like barbarians a lot. I I surprised I don't play them more. Yeah, you don't play them as often as is all that. But um, but I, I but I feel you on the vibe. Well, genuine question to throw to you guys: do, do you feel like barbarian is maybe one of those classes where, like, as a seasoned player, you can feel a little bit like you haven't got all your toys? You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I feel like maybe I yeah. get into like the middle of a combat and I'm like, man, like. I really wish I could do that and you know like you have to be really kind of inventive and have a very like down for it DM I yes. feel like sometimes mm -hmm. the barbarian where I'm like okay but can I throw my great axe so hard that it bounces off that wall yeah. and Kratos yeah. style hits, yes, you know what I mean it's like go. you yeah. kind of have yeah. to like look 100%. for that kind of stuff yeah. whereas like some of the other classes it's like very easy to be like i'm about to do something rad as hell <laughs> yeah right no, you're absolutely correct you do yeah. have to get really creative with your fighters yeah. and barbarians and your martial classes um and I, I actually at my tables i encourage that a lot like please get descriptive with your combat and i yes. will rule of cool it a lot for them like hey this yeah. is <laughs> if somebody says they're gonna the... throw their axe as hard as they can at the wall to bounce it off of a, the wall and hit a guy <laughs> i'm gonna say yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, this this genuinely is the best thing to come out of the Dungeons and Dragons movie for me because I remember walking away from that and being like, Holger, that is what an improvised weapon looks like. 
Yeah, like, yeah, yes, Constantly absolutely. fights with improvised weapons. And I was yeah. like, that is sick. Yeah. And actually, there are so many instances where I was like, okay, if I was playing this as the DM, I'd give you extra damage die, or I would give you like an like a extra bonus or an advantage for being as inventive as that. Do you know what I mean? Very if you're like, so. oh, there's like a smelting pot over here, and I'm going to dip my axe in it and then swing it at a dude? Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Yes, like, absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> like, that's metal as hell. It's, yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I love in action flicks when people get hit with chairs and the chairs explode. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's always fun, too. I want to make a magic item that's like the ethereal chair where you need a chair to break over someone's dome and it's right there for you. It's right there. Always. <laughs> yeah. I like that. My, my dumb magic item like that would be a rifle in which the butt of the rifle automatically like knocks someone to zero hit points. Like, you oh, know how like in every single movie, oh, yeah. you get like the unconscious... <laughs> yeah. Like the gun butt to the face, yeah. and then it, you're just out. Like lost as a TV show <laughs> fundamentally doesn't work if you can't knock someone out with a gun. Like oh it just gosh. fails. <laughs> like every episode, someone's getting pistol whipped and knocked out. Like it's, it's so true. funny. That's so that's funny. really good. And you notice it. That's great. Yeah. All right. So we've talked. We've talked about the archetypes we like. We talked about like where they fit and how they work. Now let's talk about breaking them to pieces. Mm. So the way I see it, there's a few ways to do this. I think the most obvious way of of breaking the norm is to flip it on its head, completely go reverse um, and counter type it. You know, rather than you know the peaceful Elven Ranger, why don't we just go full Rage Monster Elven Berserker? You know. Mm. Rather than the 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 dumb orc barbarian, we go with an an erudite orcish wizard. Um, mm -hmm. Rather than a holier than thou paladin, we go anti paladin. You know, let chaos rule. Like my vow is to let it all burn. Mm -hmm. um, those can be fun. fun. Those can be fun. They're obvious, but they're fun. Oh hell um, yeah! I don't know if you guys have any experience with these like flip flip a, a stereotype on its head type deal. I feel like the best ones are just small barbarians are the most fun. Oh, yeah, that. that's like, a good one. Just tiny barbarians, like fairy, a fairy yeah. barbarian with like <laughs> oh, a, yeah. an there 18 strength. You're like, hell yeah. yeah. Pretty rad. <laughs> like, just that. like absolutely bench pressing a dude over their head. <laughs> You're like, I don't know how this works, but it's rad as hell. It's working. The stats say yes. The stats say yes. <laughs> I think uh, it's been a long time, but I think early, early in the tenure of this show, show we built a halfling barbarian that literally sharpened his teeth and that was his weapon and he was just like a terror biter monster yeah because you can move um, through people's space and bite them in their like oh, in their space that was nice. it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's God, that was a long time ago but that was it was like episode five of this show it, yeah it was pretty early several was, several years ago it was a very long time ago yeah um i think uh when it comes to some of these counter types i think the closest i've i've come is going uh strong lawful evil on the paladin and, and just kind of really leaning in, leaning into the lawfulness of it, but being blatantly evil. And mm -hmm. uh, with that, you have to, I, I kind of like what we were saying about when you play an arrogant character, you have to be willing to be the butt of the joke. Mm -hmm. It's kind of can be the same when you're playing an evil character is yeah. you have to be willing to let things blow up in your face, because if you're always right, then you're a problem because yes. you are doing things that are scary and uh, often completely unethical. Um, but, uh, my, my, my lawful evil paladin was one of the most fun characters I ever played. And it, it was just blatantly flipping a, a lawful paladin on its head. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I think 
uh my my sort of general approach to like flipping something is like i sort of i will obviously flip like the whole stereotypes but one of the things i really enjoy doing is actually flipping the uh like the the, the core stats like trying to reimagine what that stat could mean and like try and mm. think of it in a different way right right so instead like of that. sort of just going with strength being like i have muscles on muscles on muscles it's like can i be this like sinewy old dude who just knows how to use other people's strength against them you know what yeah. i mean oh yeah like absolutely. can i or like just fully understands leverage in a way that other people don't you know what i mean so like kind a of dragging fighter. the heavy sword along behind them but just knows how to like whip his body around bruce lee style and just like and generate all the same power that like a big massive barbarian would do i like I that feel like just That's even from like cool. a flavor perspective <laughs> suddenly makes all these kind of like core sort of pillars of D like a little bit more interesting mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and like especially with the some of the like mental stats as well i always think that like you know like charisma for once if, it for me is like one that's like so misunderstood it's like mm -hmm. and the example that comes to my head right now partly because i'm re-watching it is like Tommy Shelby from Peaky Blinders. I don't know if you guys oh, have yeah. seen Peaky Blinders. Oh, yeah. I've seen Peaky Blinders. 100% is like 20 charisma, but oh, yeah. barely says yeah. a thing. Yes. Do you know what I mean? He only right. ever says something if it's absolutely essential, but he knows exactly what to say. It's true. And his like whole thing is like, I'm going to sit and observe you, and I'm going to let you feel like you're in control, and then I'm going to turn the screw and make you realize that you're dead. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And it's like classic example of taking what normally charisma is like oh i'm a high charisma i'm gonna be you know like jasper William cartwright and just I'm never shut up yeah right yeah. it's like yeah. it's like no no no. is there another way that you can imagine that stat through like a like a, a lens of like a character or, or or whatever um and like honestly another one is like wisdom i love imagining wisdom like luck like in my head take like monkey d luffy or something from one piece where you're just kind of like he just it's like if, from the outside it just looks like he's always stood just like two centimeters away from the danger but like mm -hmm. maybe for that character it's just like i just instinctively know where like how to position my body so that i don't get hit you know what i mean yeah. and it's not necessarily that he's thinking it it's like a conscious thought process yeah, there's it's no like, explaining it it just kind of it's yeah it's, it's like oh no this is the instinct thing now mm -hmm. as opposed to a learned oh i'm a sort of wise old head type thing it's right. like That's no no i just kind of feel i can feel it you know i can feel yeah. the forest and it's telling me I need to do, you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. so instead of your survival being really good because you've spent years in the forest and you understand it, it's like, no, you can literally can listen to the trees and they're like telling you that like so far away, there's like a, you know, encampment or something. Right, and it's right. like, I feel like there's just like, there's so many fun ways that you can imagine like flipping some of those stats. You don't have to flip every single one of them for every single character. You know, it's right. like even just picking one and then seeing if you can change it. And then the last thing on that point was just like, I always then tend, tend to do that with the like a core ability um as well so like if a class has a core ability i try to like can i reimagine this in some way like a sneak oh yeah rain, yeah i like this approach something. a lot yeah. make D D work for you yeah definitely. yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and i think most times as well now you've got like a experienced dm like you were saying brian who's just like pretty down to you know kind of like see the rule of cool live out you know yeah, most of the time the they're gonna be like oh my god like hell yeah bring that yeah, to the table like absolutely. when my players bring something like that i'm like oh man it's like you know it's literally like opening a christmas present you're like sick i'm gonna get to play with things like it, it's yeah gonna be like really yeah. really cool so, those unique yeah. scenes those are the memories you take away from the table hell when yeah. something really cool happens like that and so that's why i say yes a lot of i i see people 
in our comment section kind of fight us on that a little bit yeah, here and there. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just a different school of thought and that's yeah. cool. Whatever you're going to have fun with at your table is fine. But I, I'm big on like, you're making me think like of reimagining the stat is making me think, well, how does this old man move? Or right, like, what right. would yeah. Thomas Shelby say right here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like that's, that's like a, a good, like, it's it's making my gears turn and making me rethink the scene, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, reimagining the ability score or the ability stat that that's actually blowing my mind. I, I've never really thought to do that, and that's incredibly clever. And now now I need to explore that space. So that's really cool. <laughs> it's, yeah. dude, honestly, when yeah. you really get into it, like you'd be surprised how many ways you can like, you know, you can like make that kind of like you can reimagine what that means, you know? Yeah, like yeah. The other big one for me is like intelligence. I always think this is like, mm. I am the least book smart person that I know. Like I genuinely couldn't <laughs> like pick up a book and revise and then tell you what was in that book. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely do think I'm quite intelligent, you know? It's just like right, I learned right. in a very, very different way. And I feel like I've got a lot of like logical, like, ability. like I can see something and put two and two together and work out like that's what that means, you know? Yeah, So absolutely. like for me, the artificer has always been more less about the kind of like in the books it's always been about like okay i'm going to look at the world and oh i understand fundamentally just by looking at a machine how that works i can see the flow of energy in that machine and where it leads you know how it gets from a to b and it's like actually if you start thinking of an artificer like that and that's the way they use their intelligence that's how you can then blend in how they actually work magic into their machines and Mm -hmm. it's not just like a bit of like Focus, focus, another thing appears. You know, it's right, like it's a right. real like thing of like, no, no, no. The artificer can literally visualize the magic entering this machine and what the that magic is going to do to all those gears and cogs and everything like that on the inside. Yeah, and like definitely. Yeah, it's just I I I feel like it just it really invigorates a lot of the classes that I've been a bit like, eh, do I want to play this? I don't know. Like it just you know, um, it like definitely makes it just feel more exciting to me. Um, and you can do the same thing with the wizard as well, actually. Yeah, I was going to say the necromancer is kind of sounds like what you're pulling out here. Yeah, do you know what I mean? A little bit. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I can see your life energy. Yeah, you've got 10 years. Yeah, the 10 years left. Good luck. The old pathways in your body, that's where the magic needs to be to make me move you in the ways I need to move you. And like Mm, understanding that is important. That's that's fun. Yeah, exactly. Blood blood bend your ass. Let's do it. That's fucking cool. Um, another way to break the norm that I that I I like to do this one a lot is it's exactly the same as the archetype, but with a twist. So like, okay, I'm a mm. bard, right? I play music. I like to inspire people through my music. I consider music my art, my magic, my muse. Um, but I play nothing but the heaviest of death metal. And I I get on that stage and I scream and I shred and it's probably not what you were expecting when I said bard, but it, it's essentially just the same thing reflavored mm-hmm. um, yeah. or the sailor druid, right? So you're a druid, you love nature, you're, you're super in tune with it, but you hate the land, you're not into the forest, you're all about the ocean, you're all, all about under the ocean and and the sea life. And again, when you say druid, you don't you don't necessarily think ocean. You don't think sailor, but it's really just one step away, and and it adds adds some flavor to it. It's true, nature is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nature is mm. not just a forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, again, like um, you know, that doesn't mean to make me think like, could you have a, a a dwarf druid who is like 
in tune with the mountains. You know what I mean? Right, like, exactly. It's yeah. like, it, you know, you have a dwarf druid who is like the chief miner who mm -hmm. like tells them exactly where to hit the rock at a certain angle because he yeah. can yes, feel, yes, you know, exactly. like I can smell where, where those vibrations are going. And <laughs> do you know what I mean? He can literally like listen and like, ah, I can like the metal, it's in there or like the yeah. ores are out, you know, it's like, definitely. I love Absolutely. I think there's so many different ways that you could look at that. I love Indeed. that actually. The, and, thinking and, of a different environment for the druid actually is, is a really, really fun, uh, fun things to do. Also, urban environments 100% could work for a druid. Yeah, like, yeah I really generally think you could be in tune with an urban environment. Like, I've seen people in, like, a busy city, and I'm like, damn, you just understand the way this works. Like, you're right. ducking and weaving through people, mm -hmm. and, like, you're getting around in a way that I fundamentally cannot. Like, I'm, you know, I'm bumping into people, it's a nightmare. <laughs> fourth edition had a skill that, that only appeared during fourth edition and got dropped immediately after. That kind of speaks to that. It was called Streetwise, and if you had high Streetwise, mm -hmm. you were able to navigate the streets you know, find things in in an urban environment faster and better uh, than than people without it, and it's a skill that I think uh, would serve five B well to still have. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you, I think, especially as a lot of people love to like rev like revolve uh, missions and stories and and things like that around like big urban centers because yeah, know, it makes a lot of sense, right? There's a lot, a lot of stuff goes on there, so I think that definitely makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the urchin background does a little bit of that. I was, I'm pulling yeah, it up right now, it but it, it it's not that, as yeah. as uh, and it's know. also it's very loose in terms of actual rules. If I'm correct, yes. so it's it's right, like kind yeah. of very like DM's discretion, but it doesn't really give the DM like a much guidance. So it's like down to the DM to balance on the fly. Uh, which can be a little bit tricky. I was actually just going to really quickly cycle back to the thing you were saying about rule of cool mm -hmm. and how like people in the comments were like usually coming at you. Just as a general flat like thing for me with rule of cool is I will always accept it so long as it doesn't uh, like disempower someone else at the table. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, that's absolutely. my like bit. That's my like tent pole of thing is like is your is the thing that you're trying to do kind of either very similar to someone else's ability at this table. And therefore would kind of like negate what they can do. Do you know what I mean? Like or, or like somehow yes. sort of lessen their impact in this situation or or right. whatever. Like that's the situation where I'm a bit like, okay, let's see. Why don't you like I might even like throw it over to the other player and be like, that's a pretty sick idea. I think this would be more and you, you know what I mean? Because I think that that's the only time where I really have a problem with like going, you know, where we're like going off the rails is like I don't want to like someone at the table to then feel like, oh man, like that's kind of what my thing is. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. No, totally. I, uh, I think totally. that's a great point to bring mm -hmm. up. It's it's yeah. very important. You got to manage. You know, as a game master, you got to manage your table. And that's yeah. a great way to do it. You got to yeah. be the arbiter of everyone's fun at the mm -hmm. table. So don't you don't want to step on anyone's toes. I, I think uh, I, I'm more inclined to be supportive of the rule of cool specifically with martial characters over spellcasters yeah because cool. i think i think that there's this thing where uh, despite the fact that we're playing in this high magic high fantasy crazy world when it comes to marshals we have this tendency to tie their abilities to our reality because you know uh, a, a, a person <laughs> yeah, with a sword so exists true. in our world and they're capable of only so much so yeah. whenever a player is trying to do something extraordinary that you know maybe isn't physically possible in our world we're immediately like no that's not possible you can't do that yeah but, yeah like, like we have realistic like javelin throwing distances yeah. like exactly why yeah <laughs> that's it's always insane. a thrown weapon it's always the thrown weapon it's always the yeah. thrown weapon now i think about it you're absolutely right throw weapons shouldn't have a distance 
Throw, I'm going to say this right now. Throw weapons should just be based on your strength modifier, surely. Yeah, agreed. Like, that's how that agreed. should work, right? You should, your range should be dependent on the strength modifier. That makes agreed. so agreed, much 100%. more sense than like be cool. be more my wizard and my barbarian could say throw a javelin the same distance. That's right, yeah. that is weird, right? That's a little weird. Um, and yeah, when I, when I think about, you know, fighters and barbarians and rogues, I, I think that they should be capable of like mythical like feats, especially when they get to the mm -hmm. higher levels. Like, you know, when we when we talk about like the ancient Greek um, feats of Hercules or Perseus or, or whatever, like, you know, they were doing things far beyond what any normal human could possibly do. But it's fantasy. Let's have fun with it. Let's Hell not yeah. limit. Why are we limiting the fighter to our reality when the wizard can literally just rewrite write reality at the higher levels so, <laughs> yeah absolutely well it's yeah. like kind of like that like it's you know i think the best example like modern like movie example is john wick like let your players mm. be john wick for a minute like yeah exactly. john wick yeah. absolutely is a superhero like mm -hmm. let's be real mm -hmm. the dude gets beat up <laughs> in every movie he gets shot like 12 times of minimum course. And he's still out here just duking dudes with a pencil and, you know, headshotting everyone around the corner. In fact, I was actually, no, there's an even better example. Have you guys seen the Ballad of Buster Scruggs? The, no, I haven't. Um, it's like a Coen Brothers Western movie. Oh, and no, it, it basically is this guy, uh, he's a, he's like a traveling, kind of a bit like a bard type thing. He's like this very well put together, like clean shaven um, cowboy. But he basically just has, he has like a superpower or this like luck of thing that he just never misses a shot. And so he's just like extremely confident everywhere he goes. He's just got this really sunny, <laughs> cheery disposition. But then he's just like, nah, I'm going to make the shot. Like, I'm going to kill you. That's and it's like, rad. honestly, at like a level 15 fighter, probably not going to miss. You yeah, know what probably I mean? not. Yeah, probably they're just not, not yeah. going to miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Absolutely. unless you're up against something that is like extremely armored or like, you know, it is also like a similar power level in terms of like, it could get hit and just not be, not feel it. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's quite often how I'll reflavor like a high level player missing is like mm -hmm. you hit them, but it's just like it was in their shoulder and they're just like so strong. They didn't even feel it. You know what I mean? Right. Because right. like you're not going to miss. Yeah, you're you know not going to miss. Like you have yeah. a plus 12 to hit. Like it's, it's insane. Yeah, those those scenario based things are, are important for the higher levels. I feel they like, you know, a rogue with expertise is yeah. not going to fail a sneak check. It's in their no. mechanics to yeah. not fail that. And I liked having that as for the yeah. fighter as well. Like, yeah. dude, are you serious? You've gone through all these adventures. You're level 15 and you're going to whiff on your your great axe swing or yeah, whatever. Yeah, like you're going to you know, slide like, into battle yeah. and just yeah. throw yeah. at something and it just like hits a tree. Like, yeah, there what? needs to be a narrative inclusion as to why you're yeah. missing. You know, right. I, I like yeah. that flavor a it lot. Does. That's good as a DM to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. Um, the last thing I wanted to add about, um, or the last like approach I wanted to add to to um, going against an archetype, is remembering that the lore is just fluff and reflavoring is not only acceptable, it's encouraged. You know, you don't have to be super super angry rage when you go into your barbarian rage. You can instead just do a Sailor Moon style magical girl transformation, and that's yep. that's the equivalent. You're just yep. unlocking a higher mode. You're going Super Saiyan. You're going Sailor Scout. Um, yep. <clears throat> you know, maybe, maybe you're a druid, but you're not really interested in like the, the wizardly magical part. You want to do more of like, you use the materials of nature to cause magic like effects. Maybe you're an alchemist now and you're, you're out there in nature, putting stuff together and putting together bombs and salves and panaceas and flame effects and, and, and whatnot. And so it's not magic. It's, it's just alchemy. Um, mm. 
there's always a way to reflavor what you're doing while keeping it mechanically the same. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And like, I think reflavoring those core abilities can do, go a long way to like reinvigorating a particular like class or, you know, or even interesting you in a class that maybe you just haven't wanted to play for a long time because you're like, well, I don't know, is it is it going to be pretty boring or... You know, I think actually picking something, finding a, a unique spin on like a core ability, it make a, makes a huge difference. It like really does for me. Yeah. Because uh, there's definitely. a couple of classes that I just otherwise wouldn't really bother with. I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. Like, Wizards just never really interested me. Partly sure. also just because it seems complicated as hell. I'm just like, Ugh, I don't have time to pick all these spells. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you, give me a, a book and let me read it. It's a lot of <laughs> thinking know? before you go into the game. Um, yeah. So I, I tried it. I was like, let me just like see what this is. And yeah. um, I had the same idea before and I have the same idea after. It is a lot of work. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially yeah. when Sorcerer's right there. You're like, okay. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, okay. I could, but <laughs> Eldritch Blast? I can I can futz this so I get Eldritch Blast as a source. Okay, let's go. I'm heading yeah. over that direction. <laughs> yeah, that's Definitely. true. That's, that's you make a great point there. Yeah. <laughs> uh I, I like I had a good idea. It wasn't for this uh character build since we were going I don't know. I like a bullywug who rages as a barbarian, but they don't get mad, they secrete uh like fluid from their skin that makes them harder to hit. So that's the Incredible. resistance. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's like that That's, stuff just is get slippery. Getting, it's get yeah. slippery, guys. It's get <laughs> yeah. slippery. slippery. And it's getting that. in your wounds and it's doing the extra damage when I'm doing like my spear strikes or whatever I'm doing, you know, like like that's not necessarily unconventional in terms of mechanics, but in the flavor of it, you yeah. know, like that's there's a lot of stuff out there that's cool that you can do. Mm. Like I think we could probably do a whole episode on reflavoring rage. Yeah, we could. Yeah, oh, rage easily, is a, such a big rage is such a big one, I feel like. Yeah. And the one that's like consistently gets the least interesting you know yeah it's like yeah and like look we all love travis you know cr bless him it's just but like everyone just does the like everyone just wants to like i would like to rage you know what i mean yes, like that's yeah, just like yeah. become it's the shorthand true. it's now. classic like, it it's like, yeah exactly it is a classic but at the same time i'm like okay cool but you know it's been done. We, we, been yeah, done. exactly. Yeah. And you're not going to be, you're not a bigger dude than Travis. So no. it's not the same when you, you know what I mean? Like That's Travis funny. is a huge dude. He and when he says, I would like to rage, I feel that you in my body it, yeah. and I want to run away. You know what I mean? <laughs> the gravity toss is always there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the classics, I have a question and uh, there's no right or wrong answer, but is there just, ever just a try point... me? I'll find a way. I'll find a way to find the wrong answer. Don't worry. Is there ever a point of time where the cliche becomes the counter type, where the cliche is so cliche, no one does it anymore? So now it's no longer the cliche, if you will. Oh, so, like people playing elves? Yeah. Or like, okay, how many sword and board human fighters do you guys actually see? Just plain old human fighters, guy with a magic sword at your table. Like, cause I, I honestly, Never. I don't actually see it I'll, anymore. Cause it's I, almost quite too cliche. Yeah. Like I like, I, I run a lot of, uh, like, you know, uh, I, I like run games for like groups of people and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. like, usually there'll be like the one friend that they're like, oh, they're a bit of a novice. They haven't really played much before. And I'm like, sick. Are they, uh, are they, uh, like, like, yeah, like halfling rogue or human fighter. And they're like human fighter. And I'm like, cool. Google. Yeah, uh, okay. Makes sense. Champion? Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. There you go. Okay. I have so, time to read the Battle Master stats. You know? so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's got time for that. <laughs> right. So results may vary, but yeah, sometimes on, on my end, I'm like, I don't know if the, the sword and board human fighter is cliche anymore because I never see it. Like, it's been so long since I've seen it. Shit, maybe I'll play one. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
but you know like i said uh you know for you it's different you're seeing them all the time and for good reason so yeah, yeah my I first think it's character like... was that mm. sorry right, go ahead no you, you go <laughs> <laughs> no i was just saying i think that like part of that as well is just like you know just the sheer amount of different groups and people that i'm seeing and, and right. things like that and like again it's just like that kind of shorthand but i do think you definitely got a point like there are some times where it is just easy to like put on that same old pair of shoes so you're just like oh man these like got a hold of them and if i step in, step in a puddle i'm done but mm -hmm. like they are comfortable you know right um, right definitely <laughs> and, and like i do kind of feel like sometimes you know sometimes it's useful also sometimes it's like a case of you know like we were saying earlier I mean, I'm sure you guys, you know, like DMs and uh, and like have experienced players. Sometimes you want a bit of a challenge. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you're like, maybe I want to play a human fighter and see if I can make this guy feel interesting. You know, right? Exactly. See if I can, you know, add something to him or just see if something emerges through gameplay or whatever that makes them feel interesting. And then the other thing I would say is actually really useful for DMs, honestly, because like, how right. many times as a DM are you like, oh my god, every single person that they meet, they mistrust. What am I gonna? Right. Okay, oh, right. uh, uh, fine. You meet a beautiful blonde uh, cleric in a friggin' church, and everyone's like, "Sweet, we love this woman. <laughs> right. What a sweet woman, you know." And you're like, "Okay, fine, good. If it means that you're not gonna stab them immediately, right. then good. Uh, whatever works. You know what I, I mean? guess this is where like, we are as works. a table. So whatever works. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> no, and and yeah, you raise a good point. Uh, drawing on the archetypes as a dm needing to make npcs yes absolutely yeah i recently yeah, and that, also you can't avoid it right like you're we're working right. on the fly we yeah you know i got 0 0.3 seconds to come up with who the hell this person is mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm plucking something down i'm not yeah. happy about it either but we're here right this is what <laughs> we know? got this like, is what we're working like, with more time yes i'd have come up with more interesting but so we have barry the human fighter deal with it you know <laughs> i love barry that's part of the barry! game <laughs> yeah that's 100 percent part of the game it is. sometimes you're gonna exactly you know, kind of crap out an npc and it is what it is yeah yeah <clears throat> um so i i wanted to also bring up like what are some of the pitfalls about trying to go against the grain um uh, the one that popped out to me uh and the one that i kind of see um not like super often but it pops up is people who want to go against the archetype so badly that they actually go too far and end up building a character that is mechanically terrible and mechanically mm. terrible to the point of like, that's not a functional character. Mm, like sure. it's, it's a, like you've made a gag at that point. You've not made an actual character. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So that's, that's one thing that jumped out to me. I don't see it too often, but, um, but it oh. does happen. And I think Brian, you saw that happen kind of recently. No. Yes. Yeah, so you risk yeah. death when you do it. Yeah. You risk, yeah. It becomes <laughs> yeah. incredibly hard for your dungeon master to balance combat when people aren't kind of leaning into the things their classes are supposed to do. It's like, I kind of expected a heal here, but my cleric is sort of off the hiding. And this guy that built this sorcerer like didn't take any defensive magic and is getting iced in like a hand-to-hand -hand combat situation. It, mm. it just didn't work out. And I think it had to do with the build, the situation, the cleric leaving. There's like a perfect storm. And the character, uh, oh, and they also rolled a nat one on a death save. That didn't help anything. No, that didn't help, yeah. Yeah, it's that's, just this perfect, That's not their fault, though. Yeah, it was just this perfect storm of stuff, and it, it, it didn't lend to their success to build the character the way they did. I kind of wish I would have sat with my player and been like, hey, look, you know, like, you're going to want to take some better armor. Like, what can we do to help you not be so squishy and have this perfect storm scenario take place? You know, I, I didn't like yeah. 
that death very much. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where it comes to what we've been talking about this whole time, which is like reflavoring things as opposed to like just getting rid wholesale. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Don't definitely. just like, no, I'm a barbarian who doesn't rage. It's just like, well, okay, but dude, yeah, what's you the know, point? Yeah. like, <laughs> you're a fighter. Uh, yeah, you can play a fighter. A you know, yeah, exactly. Just do something else. Like, um, yeah. just because. Again, you want it to mechanically still be fun to play. Like it's it, right. uh, it just yeah, absolutely you're right. It defeats the object, I think, a little bit. But just yeah, then pick a different uh pick a different thing. Maybe, you know, your character has you know, talk to a DM. If like if in in instance, like let's say a barbarian didn't want to rage, right? Mm -hmm. I if I was the DM, would love that as a as a prompt. And I'd say, okay, cool. You have two types of rage now. One type of rage is like, like you said, it's just you leveling up, right? It's like a full, you know, um, it's just like you kind of leaning into your ability and everything like that. And you kind of like just go into the zone a little bit. Then the second type of rage is like you have to reckless attack the whole time. And like if you don't attack an enemy, you will just attack it. You know, like you'll lose control or something, right, which is why right. you avoid using it. But you are like a little bit like statistically like a little bit stronger when you do use that one. So right, it's like right. there's a way that you could easily like kind of incentivize someone to like you know, make that choice without it kind of hurting them in the kind of game mechanics stamp. Yeah, you know, and there'll you be know. better options than that. That's just like off the top of my head. I'm just like throwing course, out something. Of course, you know what I mean. But like, yeah. I just think there's a way that you, for instance, could you know, if they're like, oh, I don't really want to take armor. It's like, okay, interesting. But what can we? If you're if you've got this vision in your head of like some you know topless dude with rippling muscles, fine. Let's give you like a sick amulet or whatever that's like effectively like a little for, like a little force shield type thing, you know, that deflects yep. some ammunition occasionally. So you don't exactly. have to like mess with the vibe, but it's still you know you're still able to like function in the world and you know mechanically. Right. Yeah, help them get to that that vision that they're they're trying to get to, but make it functional. Makes yes. total sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, there is a good way to do this um mechanically bad that I was I, I like toy with it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Is like just dump con and then take every other feature possible to not die. Oh, uh, okay. like basically never try to get hit. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and maybe you can tank one hit, maybe two if you're lucky, a weak enemy, <laughs> but you're trying your damnest not to get hit ever. And yeah. like you're because you've got like, you know, 20 HP at like level 10 or something like that. It's it's crazy <laughs> how you can do that. You shouldn't. Um, the recommendation is not to dump con ever, at least take no. middle of the road constitution. Never. Yeah, but you you can. You can totally you can. do that. And you can. It, it makes the game very challenging. I'll, mm. I'll say that. It's the most common thing I feel like I run into with new players where like I do think of all of them, you look at it, and if you don't know literally what happens on your character sheet when you fill it in, mm -hmm. then like you look at all of them, you go strength, yep, got that, dexterity, ob obviously intelligence, wisdom, charisma, yep, know those things. What the hell is Constitution? Nah, I don't right. need it. Like the amount of times <laughs> right. that I've like rocked into a game, and I'm like, sweet, you get hit for twelve, and they're like, I'm down. I'm like, sorry, how? Like, <laughs> oh, I have a four in Constitution. I have four. Crazy. Oh my god. Oh right. Oh, That's okay. How did you even roll a four? Right. <laughs> what, how like, are what? you still alive? <laughs> like, what, like what? You you are basically like a sickly Victorian child. Exactly. You know? <laughs> like, I'm like, a piece of paper. I'm a glass cannon, and I want to I want to hit big and do everything good. Except Dude, that is if... a complete insult to glass. Like you know, we're talking. This is, you know, this is like some some that sugar glass or whatever that they use. Oh, All right. Yeah. Like, mm. It's just like, this shit's crumbling immediately. That's hilarious. That's fun. 
Um, all right. Well, before we take a short rest, is there anything anyone here wants to add on the topic at hand, on archetypes, on breaking them, on the pitfalls of going against the grain or anything? Um, no, I think, like, the, the only thing that I just, like, I ever want to add with this stuff is just, like, you know, I'm always very keen when I talk about these things to make it, like... Uh, come across in a way that's like, I'm never saying that like this is the right way to play or the wrong way to play or anything right. like that. It's just like, I'm really excited about giving people new and interesting ways to play this game and to mm -hmm. play and interact with the game because I think that it makes it just infinitely more enjoyable for everyone. Like mm -hmm. one of my favorite experiences I've ever had was playing uh, like all, we had an all fighter group and it felt, they all felt so different. They had such, such different like skills and abilities and like there was like a full tank up front who was just crushing everything there was sneaky basically rogues it's just like there was there's so many ways even mechanically that you can flavor these things and it's just about like giving you the kind of freedom and the license to just think outside the box a little bit and find something just like that little bit more interesting uh for yourself you know what i mean i'm not necessarily saying you have to pick what i think is interesting because mm -hmm. honestly screw me who am i to tell you what to play play whatever mm -hmm. the hell you want but like pick something for you that makes you think like oh man that'd be so sick if he does this and they do this. you know what I mean? like that's how i'm always picturing my characters is like you know i make something and then i'm like oh man and then if he has a gun he could do this thing and then like i watch this movie called wanted and i can like bend the bullet and like you know what i mean like that's yeah. like you know that's the kind of stuff that i get like excited about when i'm building a character and i feel like I want to. I want other people to have that because, like, there's nothing worse than like, oh yeah, I kind of only play warlocks because they're the ones that feel like they have flavor. And I'm like, no, everyone oh, has flavor. All, all of flavor, them have yeah. flavor. Yes. You, just need, you need to give yeah. it to them. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, well said. I, I completely agree. Mm -hmm. uh, with that, I think uh, let's take a short rest. It's the grand adventures of Ilian and Beard. Oh, let's let's see. Uh, they said that the general store was in between the tailor and and the cobbler, but all I see is, I mean. There's just a door, a very slim door here. And it yeah. does, it is, I think this says general store scrawled on it in chalk. The only way we'll find out, Ben, is if we go inside. Okay. Well, hello and welcome to my shop. Whoa. Uh, hello, hello there. Uh, hi. Um, hi. Yes. It is, uh, wow, small in here. It is quite uh, cramped. Yes, yes, yes. The, it's unfortunate, but it was the only place I could rent. Well, uh... Let's uh, let's see your goods. What do you got? It's oh, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm probably blocking them. Let me shuffle on over here to the side and and yes, here are my goods. It's it's three things. There's three things on a counter. Three things. Oh, but they look. Is a pack? Is it what? Is a is a there's a backpack? Yeah. Yes, an explorer's pack. The finest in all the lands. And there's a shield. That's that's quite an impressive shield. It's like it's made by the greatest blacksmith. In all the in all the realms, the greatest uh, blacksmith in all the realms, you say? Do you mean Gene Dwarven Smith? <laughs> That's the one. You you know the man. You got it. That's incredible. This is. I can see his insignia. It's an original. The, the alien. I, I can't believe this. Yes. Well, this is all well and good, but I have a long list of general goods we need for our adventure. And how am I supposed to find it when you only have three items in this general goods store? You know, I would I would love to stock more. I have great suppliers, and I just don't have the space, honestly. I would love to have the space and expand, but I just can't. Like, this, is the, this, this town is full of wonderful shops, and I just got here last, okay? 
It's wow, okay. That's, that's so unfortunate. I am a wizard, and I have your solution. Oh, a wizard? Yes, Indeed. yes, he is a wizard. For upon this third item, which I do not know if we've yet described, but it is, in fact, a mirror, I shall cast a spell of the ninth level. Shit, here he goes again. Get down, get down, it's so small in here, get down. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Behold, as I conjure forth, Shopify spell of unlimited scale. Huzzah! Whoa! What, what have you done to my goods? My mirror of reflection. Your mirror of reflection has now been transformed into a mirror of Shopify. Behold, for Shopify is the only platform that won't limit your growth. You could grow as big as you want, and you won't ever have to replatform again. <laughs> that sounds incredible. Are you serious? Well, how does it how does it work? Look, it looks like the mirror has has been enchanted, and I can step through it into another room that looks just like this one, but with just as much counter space. And look, beyond it, another room with the same amount of counter space. It's like you could have different departments. Grow without worrying, you'll have to switch platforms. Expand your product line. Expand to new markets. Increase your revenue. Ilian, it's incredible. There's there's so much stuff. There's so much space. There's Sh so much space down here. It keeps going forever. Shopify has plans and pricing made for every stage of business, including enterprise and retail. With Shopify, you can sell anywhere your customers shop. In person with Shopify point of sale, B2B wholesale, on social media, on online marketplaces, or in this interdimensional mirror, which I have enchanted for you. You speak of many mysterious things, but I am eternally grateful. Uh, give me that list of items that you talk about procuring, and I will be sure to have my shop stocked for you tomorrow. Can you may return and collect these things as a form of payment, a thank you, if you will. I accept your thanks, and I also ask that you include that nice shield. Oh, we're getting the shield? That's so cool! Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. 
Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. So wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. We've returned. Indeed we have. Fuck yeah. Um, we, <laughs> we're fucking back. Uh, we are. So uh, I wonder what Ilian and Baron got up to. I'm not sure. I Who think knows? right now they're doing Shopify stuff. But probably shopify related yes um thank you shopify and you can check out alien and beer content on patreon.com slash the dungeon cast one of the best ways to support us um but we are here with jasper william cartwright of three black halflings uh jasper do you want to go ahead and, and plug your stuff man oh hell yeah uh so uh, uh yeah i'm a co-host uh, of three black halflings which is a show where we talk about a lot of different ways that you can imagine and think of D&D. Uh, we really wanted it to be uh, a place for, uh, you know, like minorities to come and find uh, like a safe space and also for people to like imagine D&D in like a different way. So we always try and uh, highlight like different cultures. And, you know, if you as a group of white people want to explore parts of Africa in your, you know, games, that you can do. And we will help you do that because we think it should be accessible for everyone. Because, you know, look, during medieval times, it wasn't just Europe that existed. There was other places too and they were pretty cool and they have mm. lots of folklore and it's dope as hell so um uh yeah definitely check that out uh, we have loads of actual play and we also have a talk show as well uh and then uh, we're doing our first live show our first ever live show in london uh oh, on the sick. 5th of april if you uh, are in and around the uk and you want to come check us out that would be uh, amazing to see some of you folks there because it's going to be an absolutely 
baller show and i'm very very excited about it uh and then the last thing that i'll plug is rotating heroes uh, which is a show that i actually dm for um that is with the uh amazing zakoyama from dimension 20 um and uh we have a crew of rotating uh different heroes that basically come in every single uh every single arc which is usually about four episodes uh and get up to all kinds of hijinks and i've just taken over as dm and uh i think it's going well but i'll let you be the judge of that go listen to it and see if you think i'm good or if you think all of this hey this dude's just chatting out his ass and he needs to be quiet Maybe that's what you'll think. I, I, I get I the feeling that. that that's not the I case. That. And and if you guys want to check out Jasper's stuff. It session, might be. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can check out the links below. We're going to have anything you want to put uh, put a link for. We can we can throw down there. No problem. You guys should Hell definitely yeah. go check it out. You're, that that just going to be links. Like links on links on links. And it's just going to be stuff that I just like as well. Like I'm like the stuff I'm involved in. <laughs> cool. I'll just be like, sweet. Check out Peaky Blinders. Check out. You know, like, I'll just be throwing out links, man. Killian Murphy's IMBD page. Oh, hell yeah. Everyone needs to check out Killian Murphy. Actually, fun fact. Killian Murphy, the best onstage actor I've ever seen in my entire life. He's no fantastic. Joke. He's I've one seen of my him favorites. in multiple uh, uh, stage shows because he does these like one man shows at the National Theater, and they are mind blowing. That dude is talented as fuck. Anyway, I, I, awesome. I played a warlock in our actual play game. That was one of the inspirations was like uh, Killian Murphy, like Thomas Shelby specifically. Mm, yeah. uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun implementing that for the charisma, you know, mm. like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think I think Tommy Shelby probably is a warlock, honestly. Like he has a demon oh, honestly. inside of him. Yeah. He really does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, He's definitely like, got dark deals going on. Yeah, yeah. There's a moment in every single like season where it's like he could just walk away and live and be everyone will be fine but he's yeah. gonna be like nope let's burn it all to the ground <laughs> it's funny i've actually picked up that show again last night that's neither here nor there i think we should get into some character yes builds. let's do that <laughs> all right guys well we have uh talk to talk let's walk the walk and actually make some unconventional characters Hell yeah. uh, i think we, we're each bringing a concept or even fully built character to the table uh, Jasper, you are the guest. Why don't you go first? Hell yeah. I was kind of flip-flopping <laughs> on which one to, to do. I've got a couple. Mm -hmm. I had a couple of barbarians. I had a couple of this. But I actually found one. I, like, dug one up as we were talking that I would love to talk about, which is uh, I made a hero, uh, sorry, uh, a warforged cleric mm -hmm. uh, called mm -hmm. Thundor. And, uh, the, so the, the thing with, with Thundor was that, um, I kind of got interested in the idea of like, oh, what a cleric could mean and mm -hmm. whether for like a Warforged who has like innate programming, whether that could be mean something slightly different. And so effectively what happened is that the, the uh, Thundor's creator uh, imbued his like power source, which is like in the middle of his chest, uh, with sort of like a divine magic. And uh, in doing so, everything that he kind of does basically has some divine uh, uh, kind of like flair to it. And uh, I gave him a insanely high charisma even though he's like a robot who's pretty kind of like talks pretty straight laced and everything but basically what it is is i imagined that that uh like his kind of core a bit like tony stark where it kind of like it sort of glows it's basically like standing next to a spa it's like there's this gorgeous mist that's rolling off oh. of it that just feels really nice on your skin <laughs> and like you know you could swear you hear music coming from it. it's so like whenever you're around him it's just kind of like oh shit, i just feel chill like you know what i mean i just feel relaxed as hell mm. and so his whole thing is just like Oh yeah, I'm just kind of nice and trying to make my way through the world, and people are just really, you know, amenable to me. Uh, I don't really know why. <laughs> That's great. Um, and so that was kind of like how I reimagined him having a high charisma as a cleric, and then basically his uh, 
his kind of like tenets or whatever it's like he will start to like power down if he goes against the tenets of his power right because it's like mm, that literally holds his life force and if he starts to like act in an evil way that life force will like leave him it won't they won't like won't replenish basically after he's like used it That's um and so effectively it's not that he has a connection to a divine power or a god or something that's higher than him it's like literally like his very essence has to be good because mm. if it's not he will cease to exist or he like power down mm. it's very um, first edition of you <laughs> yeah and then and then i had a literally had a uh there was a a moment where i was basically like he was like offered a choice to mm. almost like basically there was a a a, a demon that was going to swap out his power source with like a with like an evil like oh, sick like a, interchange you know, so like, a, so like an evil cleric. yeah and so the idea was that he could effectively like if he was to get a different power source it could fundamentally change his kind of like goal or sort of core programming yeah it's got life. some green lantern vibes to yeah. swap out for the yeah, yellow I think, wing or i think like a that. little bit yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i think definitely a little True. bit and i and I, I i loved i really liked the idea with the cleric uh kind of going down the sort of more like creationist like <laughs> almost like i like to like sort of the like almost like the idea of like creating and bringing things into the world feels very um uh apt for a warforged you know for something that is a construct in itself right. the idea of then building things uh more than just healing them you know it uh was was quite exciting with that particular build so yeah i just thought it was an interesting uh kind of take on you know having a sort of this divine connection or you know uh, a, a different reason as to why like it's not them making a moral choice it's just that like he physically cannot make the other choice you know what i mean like he could right, try right. but it would like he would not be able to do it um cool. and so yeah. that would be interesting to kind of to explore the the concept of free will with that is like mm. is acting good because not acting good means death actually acting good like you know if the the intention isn't pure in and of itself mm. how does that affect the divinity within him or is it only the action that matters yeah i think what's interesting is that like i know if i was if i was the dm and a player brought that to me mm -hmm. i probably in the back of my head would be like the the decision of morality is entirely your choice but i'm not going to tell you that right do you know right. what i mean like yeah. as in if you think something is good then it is good. Do you know what I mean? Right, because effectively, right. like, if your car if he has made that choice, then that, like, that is what his program is is telling pro programming is telling him him to do. So he does it. You know. Right. So right, he actually right. does have that free will. But I think there's something enjoyable about the character themselves not understanding that concept right, and being right. like, I must act good you know, right, you know what i mean right. but actually they do have total free will they do actually have the ability to act in any way they could be evil effectively they could make that choice and they would see it as good because they've well if i've generated that idea then it must be good because that's what my core programming is yeah. you know uh there because there is not really you know that like that, that, that connection there it's effectively like a self-fulfilling you know yeah. prophecy or whatever yeah it is um, yeah that's probably how i'd handle it i think if i was the dm because i just think it'd be quite fun for them to be like wait a second i can <laughs> Ooh, now I've got you know, like ooh, yeah. ooh interesting. Uh, moral quantity <laughs> now I can become a weapon. Now I can steal stuff. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do want a new sword. <laughs> that's awesome. That's pretty uh, cool. So yeah, I, that's what I, 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 I like. I like that a lot. The um, the facilitating of good emotions just by naturally existing is is fun. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes, that. yeah, that's that was my favorite thing about the was the, <laughs> was the charisma, just playing around with the idea that. <laughs> 
he just has good charisma because people are just really chilled around him. Yeah, <laughs> the force of will is so strong; it's affecting the environment. Is is yeah. very fun. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, Brian, what do uh, you got? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay, I built. Um, let's see. I I built a fear a fear bulg. Um, and I kind of went deep with it. I I built two levels of druid to start, and I took um, let's see, what is the druid speech of the woods? The wood the woods druid. Um, Circle of the Shepherd, that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got, like, my idea is I was found in the woods, level two druid, kind of getting along, getting raised by dryads or some, you know, forest some nature thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, a squad of Goliaths rolls up and sees my potential as a fighter. And they they want to bring me along. But they don't realize that I can't, like, do stuff with metal because I'm a druid. I'm, like, averse to that as, as a druid. That's kind of something druids carry with them. Um, and this is a, we had a, we had in our actual play game, I'm referencing again for the second time this episode, but there was a cleric, uh, or a, a druid, um, Persephone that lived, we, it was a space campaign. So we're in like metal spaceships. And I just remember how uncomfortable the character was for a long time, sort of getting used to the environment and being mm -hmm. encased in all this metal all the time. And they like created a biome in their room because they're like, I just need like, you know, the woods in here or something like that. Um, but I, I like that what we were talking about earlier about your druid being, uh, and I swear I made this before the episode, uh, your <laughs> druid being like in tune with different parts of nature. Mm -hmm. I think um, the reason my druid would leave the forest uh, it, to go with these people is they're going into the mountains and they're, they're tapped, tapped into the mountains, um, you know, like rock climbing and boulder throwing and doing all this stuff to train as a fighter. So these uh, these goliaths are very giant inspired. So I, I ended up running a rune knight. Um, there are two classes on this show, subclasses on the show I've famously shit on really bad. Um, the first one was the, from that uh, from Xanathar's guide, the Flourish Bard, the Bard of so College of Swords. Mm. Right. Um, I did end up playing the College of Swords in a in a game that Will runs. Still hate it. I, I bounced <laughs> it. It's bad. It's not very good. Valor Bard all the way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then uh this one, the uh the Rune Knight fighter, when this came out, me and Will shit on it pretty bad. Really? I don't yeah. remember, but I'll believe People you. People were mad at us. They were like, You guys don't get it. And I think they were right. They might be right. I, I honestly looked at it. I was like, wait, <laughs> this is really fucking cool. So I was I was trying to think, how am I gonna get around all this metal stuff? And I was kind of pitching to Will, like, I have this thing where if I'm in a pinch, I might have a wooden sword that's very sharp that I pull out. But it's um it's something I have to carve myself. It's something that might break if I use it. And we can determine like how that would happen. Like, you know, how long does it take you to make these? How long does it take them to break? Maybe roll a D100 and do the percentage die thing. That could be a, a thing. But I augmented this fighter to have the capabilities of unarmed combat to the extreme. Um, so Ooh. basically I'm doing punchies a lot. Unarmed nice. strikes. Um, I've got the unarmed fighting style. And when I'm unarmed, it becomes a D8 for my attacks. Plus four. Hell yeah. My strength. So it's it's going pretty good. I was playing around with like maybe I can get some stone knuckles or something like that, you know, mm -hmm. that I carve because the rune knight is very giant inspired and stone giants are kind of one of those things that you can mess with. I can also wild shape. I don't really plan on doing that, mm -hmm. but I took all feats. So I took so many levels in fighters so I could explore like unarmed combat features. Um, I took the charger feet, use a bonus. Uh, when I use a dash action, I can use my bonus action to make a melee weapon attack, shove a creature. That'd be like an unarmed punch, so I'm going to do that extra damage. And if I move 10 feet in a straight line before using the bonus action, I can gain a plus 5 bonus to the damage rolls. Um, I took, like, everything but the fire rune I got 
for for this. I have Giants might feature as a bonus action. You magically gain the following benefits for a minute. If you're smaller than large, you become large along with anything you're wearing. Uh, You have advantage on strength checks and strength saves. And once on each of your turns, one of your attacks with a weapon or unarmed strike can deal an extra 1d8 damage to a target on hit. So I plan on using that a lot. I have a hidden step. I can teleport around a little bit. Um, Oh, wait, what is this? Uh, Magically. Oh, turn invisible. Sorry. Yeah. That's the fearable. It's tied to my proficiency. So I get a lot of uses of that. Um, So that's cool. I can like cheap shot somebody after invisibility, just kind of throw a a punch, probably at advantage. I have the hill rune. Um, Bonus action, gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing for one minute, like a barbarian would. Uh, Obviously, my second wind, I have a spirit totem that I get to do as my druid class um, that can make different uh, effects happen. I have the storm rune, make like people make saves. I'm just taking as much stuff as I can that isn't a sword here and doing what I can with it, like really playing into that aversion to metal. Um, And yeah, that's I have the crusher feat. Um, once per turn, when you hit a creature with yep. uh, attack that deals bludgeoning damage, you can move them five feet to an unoccupied space. Um, and on a critical hit, um, you make that you can do attacks with advantage on them. Um, indomitable, you can re-roll a saving throw that you fail. You must use the new roll. Um, that's pretty much the vibe, though. Like that's what I'm going for here. I'm punching people. I took. I think I took the grappler feat as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm crushing people, I'm I'm grappling them, I'm lifting them up, I'm slamming them on the ground, I'm hitting them with my fists, and that's my fighting style. I'm getting bigger and bigger, you know, they're having (laughs) a huge imposing thing, and my runes are allowing me to impose disadvantage on people or turn invisible or switch targets from one attacker to another, and that's where the unconventional uh, reality here plays in. It's like no metal weapons, no metal armor, um, I was talking to Will about having studded leather armor so my AC isn't so bad, but um, that's metal stuff. But we're talking about reflavoring it with rocks or bones or wearing like heavy armor that is made of bones. Uh, cool homebrew stuff. Cool. <laughs> yeah, but I want anything that's not, um, you know, of that to be able to break. That Make me work for this. You know, right. like this Hell is the detriment yeah. <laughs> I'm playing with. Um, my skills are pretty all over the place, you know, intimidation and, uh, I took history randomly, but that's, that's it. That's what the, that's the build here. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun when I was finished with it. I was like, Hey, I kind of want to play this. Um, (laughs) I get some cool stuff that I, I don't really play with a lot and leaning into that aspect of adding a lot of flavor to your fighter is, uh, prevalent here. You know, it's all flavor. It's all punching and grabbing and throwing and, jumping on people and pushing them away like hopefully there's a cool cliff i can throw somebody off of eventually like that's that's what i'm going for it really it really comes across like you you going druid first kind of having that naturey uh connection at first and then leaning fighter but but keeping a lot of that druidic flavor Mm -hmm. it really like at first hearing it felt like you you somehow re reverse engineered the barbarian it kind of came out that way yeah yeah i like that Mm, it's a barbarian it even has the resistance feature with the runes, so like yeah. it is. It I'm doing everything but the extra, da- but I am taking extra damage feats, so it's it is kind of like that a little bit. I don't yeah, know. I think it's cool. Yeah. It's like it, it. It's definitely. I think we'll play a little bit more barbarian style than either of the two classes. It is true, but I think that's a good thing. That's kind of that's cool, fun, and different. I can also yeah. wild shape for like versatility options. Like if I want to go scout as a bird or something, I'm sure I could do that. Sure. Yeah. Can I can I can I throw out one? Just, you actually reminded me of a character that I built for an AP that we did a little while ago. Yeah, I'd sure. love to throw yeah. this one out. Sure. So uh, this was actually 
quite a like reflavored monk. Uh, so I played this uh, character called Duncan, who was like a sort of young-ish. He was like he's like sixteen, like fifteen, sixteen, or something. Um, and it's in this kind of like very gothic noir kind of setting. And his thing basically was that he um, effectively styled himself out after having an encounter with a demon of some description uh, or like a shadowy monster. He basically styled himself out like a um, like a, something out of like a kid's nursery rhyme. Um, and like he even like taught all his friends to like sing a little like scary nursery rhyme cool. that he'd get them to like sing outside the window of one of his targets because he basically then became oh, an assassin shit. with his new uh, skills. Oh my so the God. way we reflavored everything was that um, so I got the Eldritch Claw tattoos, which if you don't know what they are, it's fucking sick. Um, basically, the Eldritch Claw tattoo when you activate it, um, you get magical strikes, which gives you a plus one, and you also get a reach on your unarmed strike of fifteen feet. Um, yeah. so it actually makes the monk incredibly versatile because you're effectively just like throwing hands. I think you also do an extra D6 as well, actually, now I think about it. Um, cool. so, uh, it's a really, really dope thing to add to an unarmed, uh, uh, cause I was also trying to find a way, uh, think uh, a way of making a more interesting kind of unarmed character. Cause his whole thing is that he's basically, I made him a dampier, but the idea was I wanted him to, when he encountered this demon, he became like sort of undead and has like a, like a thirst for like eating people. Oh. And so his whole thing is that when he transforms, so when his Eldritch Claw tattoos activate, uh, he basically goes really limp and you see his shadow becomes this huge shadow monster and basically puppets him. And oh, so shit. he goes That's really cool. kind of limp like and just flies <laughs> oh. through the air and starts like hitting things. That's cool. And, like, Horrifying. That's effectively like how he, you know, <laughs> so it almost looks like he's like kind of floating in the air a little bit as he's kind of getting ragdolled around and like hitting, hitting things and whatever. And his arms become really distended and kind of like, like black and whatever. Yeah. And so I actually ended up giving him, uh, I ended up giving him like an in combat, like um, strength stat of like 20. So he has like a maxed out strength, but I did literally say to my DM, I was like, out of combat, I'm so happy for his strength to be like 10 effectively, you know, like right, to just right. treat it like, no, he's just like a kid, <laughs> you know, yeah, when he yeah. when he doesn't activate this, but it's a bit like the Hulk where like, if he then takes damage, like the shadow takes over and it's like, no, 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 you're not going to die. Like, cause my existence kind of depends on you. Um, and I just really love that way of like reflavoring this kind of, you know, because monks, again, it's all about training. It's all about control. And I love the idea that this kid literally just like lets himself be ragdolled yeah, by this like give up control, this, yeah. this like kind of uh, malevolent force that just rips people like apart, basically. Yeah. Um, and so. Uh, yeah, and just a little bit on the build because I optimized the crap out of this guy. <laughs> um, he has so his way of mercy monk, which means I also get to do um, hands of harm, which means I get to add another d6. So on like my first attack in a round, I can do three d6 plus six, and it's a plus nine to hit. Well, no, plus ten to hit with my eldritch claw tattoos activated. Um, and then obviously got multiple attacks and everything. I think I've also got the uh, fanged bite, which isn't like crazy useful but like it's quite nice to be able to like regain a little bit of hit points um and then uh there's also another one as well i'm trying to think well, it was a way of mercy thing that was actually quite useful 
Uh, da, da, da. Oh no, it's just the oh no, that was the, it was the aimed attack as well, which is where you obviously can spend like key points to like add to your ability to attack. But then I That's also rad. took the crusher feet with this goo with this guy as well, yeah. which was which is just so much fun. Like truly, the idea of him just like punching you out of a window or whatever. I was like, right. yeah, yeah, this is sick. And to like, I really wanted the idea of him being hyper mobile around the battlefield and sort of. Sort of like, you know, like kind of like I really wanted to feel like a terrifying nursery rhyme, like the idea that he's kind of this, you know, he literally is like a shadow, like, you know, he's the, you know, the dude's up with his lantern and like something behind him, you know, and it's like, oh, that's, really that's cool. Duncan yeah. kind of thing. So that that's was like the, cool. that was the, the kind of concept for him. And then, um, yeah. And then the nice thing about monks as well is you've got like a ton of proficiencies. Mm -hmm. So I have proficiency in acrobatics, athletics, history, insight, medicine, sleight of hand, stealth, and survival. Yeah. That's a um, <laughs> so like, you know, he's, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty chunky guy, uh, mm -hmm. which is, which is pretty fun. So, um, but yeah, I really liked that one. And I, you know, I have issues with the monk generally. I just think as a kind of, I do as well, you know, it's yeah. like, uh, I don't know, like both mechanically and also just sort of like culturally and everything. I just think it's like a little weird. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so actually finding a way to use the monk that felt like very untethered from all of that stuff definitely kind of like what we were saying earlier, just made it feel a lot more like interesting a prospect for me as a as a potential build. Yeah, there are these controversial like little pits in D and D that you can come across, and the monk definitely has one of them. I think was it hmm. well was it our first monk episode or our monk revisited where we had just like kind of crap on all that. I can't remember. I believe it was probably our it. first monk episode. Yeah, I, the origins of the monk existing in D and D were like not very kosher, unfortunately. But I am mm. uh, on the on the bright side. I love your build. I'm looking at this Eldritch Claw tattoo feature. It's so like, good. Oh it my took me God. ages to find it. It took me ages because I was like, <laughs> I was determined. I was like, we need to. There needs to be something that's going to make a really viable hand to hand yeah. uh, thing. And actually, like as soon as I saw it, it like the item really informed the build. I just like mm. that was what triggered all this Built kind of idea it. of him having, you know, cool. these like long distended arms and being kind of ragdolled around. And I was just like, yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. Yeah, I love the warlock kind of vibe that's on that. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, we actually, I think we 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 because uh, we're doing a second season of that one. So that one's called Titty of the Black Rose. And like we're we were having a conversation about potentially like changing him to have a level or two of warlock or whatever, so that there's like you know some kind of tie to it. But um, but yeah, that was a that's a, a really fun build, and I like the like the reflavoring of the monk. So yeah, magic tattoos are sick. That's magic yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Like I've never wanted a tattoo before, but hell, if it was magic, I'd get one. I'd <laughs> right. totally get one. <laughs> what do you got for us, Will? Did you build one? I did build one, and I I kind of like that each each character so far has like represented a different aspect of of flipping the archetype and mine is uh very much flipping it on its head and going in the opposite direction so i built a kobold and mm. uh for those who maybe not necessarily know a lot about kobolds they are small dragon related reptilian type humanoids and their main shtick for the last 50 years of dungeons and dragons is that they are little cowardly minion monsters that uh are semi-related to dragons um genetically but mm. culturally they are almost inseparable from dragons in that they they worship them they dote on them they serve them they're obsessed with them and they're incredibly proud of their own draconic heritage and the the cliche is that you know uh, a kobold den is usually in service to some sort of evil dragon and they're gladly so um 
And so with this character, I want to go the opposite direction. This character has seen the horrors done to her people by the chromatic dragons or the evil dragon kinds, the tyrannical dragons. She's seen her clan used, abused, oppressed, and then discarded when they were no longer of use. Everybody that she knew when she was young is now dead from the the discarding that her former dragon lord uh, did to them. And uh, she probably would have died too if she wasn't uh so resilient and so consumed by the concept of wanting justice for what was done that uh she drew the attention of a powerful spellcaster i'm thinking an archlich although i i think Ooh. the the enigmaticness of this entity is kind of fun in and of itself but i'm thinking an entity that would have interest in the uh the um extermination of other powerful entities like dragons and basically uh she makes a warlock pact a hex a hexblade pact with this entity and uh in return for service to whatever this entity wants he, she's given the power that she needs to hunt down and slay any and all dragon kind um Sick. especially though those who are oppressing others of of kobold kind and um, I kind of tried to go as much into like a Death Knight kind of vibe as I could. So mm. she took the heavy armor feet. Uh, she's got a shield and a, a spiked uh, flail. She's Eldritch Blasting. Um, what spells did I pull here? Uh, she's got Create Bonfire, Blight, Element Bane, uh, Fly, Hex, Mirror Image, Shield. She's she's basically like a Dark Paladin, but she's just 100% Warlock. Um and yeah, she's just on the warpath. And uh, she feels, despite the unscrupulous things that she probably does, uh, she feels no guilt because she feels like she's justified. And I think mm. uh, I think some people might be hard-pressed to say that she isn't. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's so sick. And like, I, I think like as a, as a, like, I don't know about you, Brian, but like whenever you like hear something like that, I'm just like, as a DM, I'm just like, oh man, I'm just like, this is what I think the best part about all of this is the, the gift that it gives your DM to then think of like yes. how the story can progress. Like mm -hmm. in my head already, I'm a hundred percent making her more and more draconic as she levels up to the point where she becomes like nearly like a full-on dragon at level 20 oh, you know yeah. what i mean like yeah, yeah, she's like nearly like a full-on like adult dragon by the end of it you know what I mean? like yeah. just like just like maxed out like so strong wings like huge tail Hell like yeah. just mad jaw like i just think it'd be so kind of sick this idea of like i must become what i hate you know what i mean exactly yeah no living. no absolutely like and there's just so much absolutely. in there there's so much in there yeah there, there's a lot one of the things that i think popped up to me was wouldn't it be a bitch if the entity that was the arch lich that she made a pact with ends up it's revealed it was a draco lich the whole time so she's actually been serving an evil dragon entity Aww. she thought she was out slaying dragons and now that's the that's the final fight is we have to take down the 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 pact holder we have to take down the patron yeah it's yeah. one of the most rewarding things about being a dm is letting your players come up with these concepts and implementing them into your world like hey look i've got these like sick campaign hooks that like I just have to cut, sort of flesh out and put in the in the space. And it's 
you have created this storyline you know it's it's very fun mm. and it's satisfying for everybody like oh he came up with this thing and it's all coming together in the session you know like in front of everybody we get to all see it mm-hmm. and every player has an opportunity to to bring that to the table i think that's what's kind of special about the game absolutely yeah and i think it's so easy then for that to inform parts of your world as a dm like you know uh like i rarely do any planning now until i have the session zero because i'm always mm-hmm. like hi like i want to know what you guys have brought to the table yeah yeah exactly. and like are able like, to you, you can utilize you know, like, it yeah yeah like the ways that you can flavor this and, and like hey like I might plan something, but then like I plan this town and it's all about these, you know, oh, and it's like, it's these town of kobolds and like there's this dragon that oppresses them. And then like you come to me with that story and I'm like, well, sick. You're from this yeah. town. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, like, do you know what I mean? Like, okay, great. <laughs> that's like, that works. Yeah. That's really cool. Absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, Jasper, thanks for coming on the show. It was a blast. Was great. Uh, yeah. Jasper, one more time. Where can we find you and your stuff? Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. So uh, if you want to find me, you can follow me at JW underscore Cartwright on pretty much all of my social media. Um, I also do YouTube stuff. I do Twitch. Um, and yeah, the main ones be Rotating Heroes and Three Black Halflings. Uh, and I'm sort of generally around. Uh, I do like higher DM sessions. And I also, uh, you know, I'm sort of producing various like actual plays and uh, other things like that. And so uh, and if you want to see as well, uh, you can check out uh, Dimension 20, uh, Barra's End. I was on that and it was really, really cool to be in like a fully studio produced game of Dungeons and Dragons. That's, super cool. yeah. That's awesome, uh, man. So, yeah, it was yeah. very fun. All right. Well, with that being said, so thank I think... you so much, guys. This was an absolute pleasure. I really appreciate you uh, letting me come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it was Hell yeah. absolutely it, it was a, blast. a great time. Thanks yeah. for we'll thanks have to for do it again. Us. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, let's call it a game. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.